In this episode, I speak with Jari Bolander. Jari is a happy mix of an engineer and an entrepreneur. And in this episode, we get to listen to Jari's incredible story, touching on his journey hopping from startup to startup, using tragedy to inspire a deep appreciation for the value of time, why the most successful engineers know how to tell great stories, and how all stories actually follow a framework, whether you realize it or not. It was a fascinating conversation. Jari is a fantastic storyteller and a host of his own podcast, The Entrepreneur Ethos. I'll make sure to leave a link in the show notes. You are listening to In Your Element, where we uncover stories, thoughts, and ideas dedicated to helping you find your own element. Let's dive right in. I hope you enjoy the show. So hello everyone, I am here with Jari Bolander and I am so excited to have you on Jari. You've got such an interesting story as we were mentioning earlier just before hitting record now and you know I'd love to introduce you but I think it would be much more interesting if you just go ahead and tell us you know what is what is your story and what are you doing right now, what is exciting you? Yeah, well, Aaron, thanks for having me on the show. And uh, like we were talking about before we hit record, I like to kind of describe myself as an engineer by training, but an entrepreneur by nature. And what I mean by that is I went to engineering school. I kind of followed in the family trade. My dad was an engineer, electrical engineer to be exact. Uh, And he wanted me to actually go do what he did, which was... Uh, make sure that airplanes don't fall out of the sky. <laughs> he worked at uh, United Airlines as a uh, kind of a maintenance engineer. So his job was, you know, autopilot, wind shear, collision avoidance, making sure those things work. So, you know, important job. Uh, and he did that for 34 years. <laughs> and I looked at what he was doing and I'm like, you know what? I live in Silicon Valley. You know, I, I went to the uh, San Jose state, which is in like the heart of Silicon Valley. And all my friends that were, you know, going to school with me, they're like, Oh, got to go to a startup. Like, bro, like, come on. You know, why would you, why would you go to a corporate gig when you can go to a startup? So first job out of college was going to a startup. And I, for whatever reason, just loved the thought of creating something from nothing and building an independent life that completed me. And thankfully, for the last 25 years, I've gotten to do that over six startups. Some have been successful. <laughs> Others have been complete unmitigated disasters. So it's, uh, you know, it's a tough gig. And um, the, the beautiful thing about, you know, being an entrepreneur and kind of what I do now is that I realized, and I realized this four years ago, roughly. And the reason why I realized this is because my wife died of leukemia. And as you can imagine, that's a pretty stressful thing, a lot of grief and sorrow. And I remember the day she died. Uh, It was uh, April 3rd, 2017 at uh, 1.37 a.m. in the morning. And I just remember sitting down, she, she, you know, she died in our apartment and I just remember sitting down and looking at the microwave and it seems strange, but I'm looking at the microwave and I'm watching the time tick 38, 39, 40. 
And I can't stop staring at this time. And my brother-in-law who, who's with us and her, her, you know, Jane, her name was Jane's mom and dad are with me as well. And, and, and my brother-in-law comes to me and he says, are you okay? <laughs> and I'm like, uh, well, I think it's pretty obvious I'm not okay, but he's, I mean, we're all in shock, right? Like, right. And so I'm like, no, I'm not okay, but I don't know what to do. Like, I, I, I'm just, I'm almost paralyzed. And then I realized, wow, every day we have is precious. Like I'm, a, I get another day, you know? And, and I just started really thinking about that. And as, as time went on, that really encapsulated something that I also learned as a startup in the startup world and how I live my life today is that uh, you can print money, but you can't print time. And as I started to think about this, I'm like, wow, time is our most valuable resource. Uh, there is no amount of money that you can spend to get back the time you've lost. So you should, you know, came to the conclusion, like I need to use every day, you know, wisely. Now, what do you mean by, what do I mean by wisely? Well, that doesn't mean that I'm always like productive or whatever, like a wise day could be, I'm taking today off and I'm going to drive to the mountains and I'm going to walk around in nature. And you know what? I'm not going to care if my clients are like, you know, blowing my phone up or I'm going to write a book or I'm going to be on a podcast or I'm going to do my own podcast because I do, I do the entrepreneur ethos podcast. So, or I'm going to teach kids about entrepreneurship, or I'm going to hang out with my now fiance Minerva and her daughter, and we're try to be as present and, you know, play with the dog. Right. So, the, the, the idea of this concept of time being the most valuable resource you have, I really think is lost on people. You know, I mean, I, I mentor a lot of young entrepreneurs and I'm actually over time realized that the podcast I do is basically, I, I want to teach the next generation of entrepreneurs how to be better entrepreneurs. Not to say that I know everything, but I have a lot of people on the show that are like, Hey, you should listen to these people. <laughs> like they've, they've got the gray hair and the battle scars and you can hear it in their voice that they're like, yeah, I've been there, done that. Um, but I realized, I realized this, you know, and it was a bit, you know, sometimes it takes those kind of catastrophic moments in life that you sort of reset and you go, yeah, what's it all about? And, uh, ever since that point, Everything I've tried to do was to enjoy the time I have, be respectful and thankful for each and every day. And it's hard to do sometimes, and I'm human, right? So some days I'm just like, ah, do I really have to do X, Y, Z or whatever? Um, but that also really put me on the path that I am now, which I never knew at the time, you know, I would ever, ever do. And that was, I, I helped tech startups tell better stories about their technology. And the only reason why I do that was because Jane, my late, you know, my late wife owned a PR and marketing firm where that was her job. Her job was to be a publicist for professional athletes and tell, tell stories about what they do. 
And, it, and if you would have asked me in college, <laughs> like, hey, you know, one day, Jari, you're going to be a PR maven. You know what? Your, your job, you're going to get paid to tell stories about people. I'd be like, you are high as a kite, bro. No way. Like, I'm an engineer. I, I build things. I have built semiconductors that, are, that can transmit radio waves over the, you know, like, I've, I have a paper with my name on it about sequencing Martian DNA. Like I am like hardcore. Then I realized, well, I'm pretty good at the storytelling thing. So, (laughs) and it took, you know, it took to tragedy, right. To do that. So that's sort of what I'm doing now. And I try to tell as many people as I can one about the story of like where I've come from to encouraging them to find their, their, why their truth, you know, like why, why are you doing what you're doing to realize that every day is a gift, a true gift and, you know, help out where you can. So one of the reasons I agreed to do the interview with you because <laughs> love what you're doing and Hey, let's have a conversation. Let's get down to it. You know? Thank you so much for sharing that, Jari. I think that's an incredible story. And there's there's so much there that I would love to to unpack and, and get into. You know, your whole your whole explanation on on time being such a valuable resource, I think really rings true. And just about I think actually last episode I did a bit of a spoken word on this idea of time and how it is really our most precious non-renewable resource because you know, you can get more, you can get more money, you can get more energy, these things can be renewed, but we often sacrifice that which cannot be renewed, which is our time to help renew these other things. And I think having this real appreciation for the, um, the, the value of, of, of time is really one of the things I feel that helps you to live, live a better life. And I think that's such a powerful message. Um, and, you know, one of the things that I think is so interesting about you and your background is that you combine your love for building things as an engineer. And and if I understand correctly, this, uh, you know, you designed like a lot of integrated circuits and you have a bunch of startups that are involved in that space. Um, and now you are also involved in PR and marketing. Um, if I understand correctly, you're, you're a partner at JSY PR and, and marketing. Um, and I want to, I want to understand from you, how do you reconcile these two worlds the world of the you know the engineer which is the very meticulous the very structured and uh, logical methodical with this world of storytelling and pr like what does that look like yeah well that's a very astute question that i get asked constantly <laughs> with tech <laughs> tech founders and tech startups because a lot of tech founders and tech startups uh, especially you know, ones that are very technical in nature or they're coders or engineers, right? Their, their world is very black and white driven by physics, numbers and everything. And, you know, that's my world too. Like, look, you can't, I always say you can bend the laws of physics, but you can't break them. And a lot of times what happens is the storytelling and the kind of the squishy, mushy, soft, skilly type stuff gets kind of push down the stack, so to speak, when it comes to, okay, how am I going to grow this SaaS tech company, medical device, IOT, whatever it is, like whatever, just name some buzzword bingo, devicey, techie thing. 
and chances are the founders behind it. And if they're, well, some of them are enlightened, but most, most are not. That's why I have a job. Uh, we'll, we'll just start explaining the technology and they'll not explain, well, why, why does this matter? What's the big idea behind all this? And what's really interesting, and I'm glad you brought this up about the, the structure of engineering versus the kind of softness or the kind of hazy, fuzzy world of like PR, marketing, storytelling. It actually, storytelling is not as fuzzy, woo-woo, kind of like off the cuff as you would imagine. Actually, stories have structure. Uh, and those structure, the structure of story is actually baked into our DNA. Um, and through thousands and thousands of tens of thousands of years of evolution as humans, the reason why you and I are talking today is because our ancestors told the best story. Like we figured out how to survive. And the only way we did that, it was because your great, 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 great on infinitum, <laughs> you know, back to the point, like where we were both related, you know, I've already many hundreds of thousands of years ago told this told better stories and the stories were ones that drove change and were memorable and had a certain structure to it so that we would avoid the saber-toothed tiger and you know don't eat the berries right uh, it's so it's baked in our dna and so as i started getting better and learning more about story i actually found a guy named sean coin sean coin is the creator of something called the story grid and it's basically what editors know about telling, you know, better stories. And I paraphrase it a little bit because it's as anything that's good, it's sort of evolving over time. But he came up with a objective, quantitative way to evaluate a story. And so as an engineering mind, <laughs> I love this. Right? I'm like, oh, structure, numbers. A lot of my fellow storytellers and, you know, PR marketing professionals may not appreciate it as much as I do, but I realized that you can apply to first order, you can apply some of the rigors of engineering, math, science to some of these squishy soft things, not to reduce or eliminate creativity, but actually to improve and enhance creativity. Because one of the things you start to realize is that if stories have structure, which they do, that's a fact, then you can stop worrying about the structure and start worrying about the creativity of it, the message. And, and for me, constraint is the ultimate creativity. I, I actually want to be constrained to be more creative. And that sounds a little counterintuitive, but the best creativity comes from constraints, not from, oh, just do whatever you want to, man. Free to be you and me, blah, 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 you know, whatever. Like, fine. Okay. Some of my colleagues in the world, artists, whatever, musicians, they may like, oh, well, the muse just comes and I just feel what I'm like. Yeah. Okay. Whatever. Like you have a process, just like I have a process. You just can't define it. And I get, I get a lot of crap for that. <laughs> Cause they're like, well, you're just like, it's formula. Sure. You're just applying a formula to this. Come on. Like pretty soon, you know, GPT three will take your job. And I'm like, nah, man, you're not really getting it. It's, Story follows form and frameworks and structure. It's not formulaic. It's like anything. And the best analogy is if you're going to build a bridge, 
you have to adhere to the laws of physics so the bridge doesn't fall down. But after that, the creativity is, well, what do we want this bridge to look like? But there's constraints, right? And as time goes on, I think you learn more and more that the most cre- you become the most creative when you have the most constraints. Um, and I think that's the in- that's what the engineering mindset is like taught me. One, constraints are good for creativity. Two, things that look on the surface to be woo-woo, free to be you and me, random. Oh, I really can't tell you my process, man. It just like comes to me, you know? Uh, it's BS, right? It's BS. If you want to write a good story and you want to build a great bridge, you follow a process. That process is repeatable, can be repeatable. And if once you learn it, the world is your oyster. I think that is amazing. There's, there's so much in there that I I totally agree with. And you, you mentioned that this whole world of, you know, PR and marketing is like woo-woo, fuzzy, whatnot. I actually think that there is some real magic at the intersection of this engineering mindset and this more you know, the storytelling mindset. There's a really, there's a, there's a quote from, from Steve Jobs about, you know, the intersection of the liberal arts and technology. And that's where, where Apple really lives. And I think that is, that is so powerful because when you, when you combine these two, these two mindsets, I feel like you get to create the best experiences, the best businesses. And, um, I think that's really interesting that you think stories follow this framework that some people are better at defining than than others and i wanted to ask what is the framework that you use to tell good stories well i use the story grid framework which uh relies on i mean it's basically relies on joseph campbell's the hero's journey maslow's hierarchy of needs as well as the um Arts of persuasion from Aristotle. So the ethos, the logos, and the pathos. I mean, Aristotle came up with this stuff over 2,000 years ago. You know, anyone that talks about persuasion, storytelling, emotional appeal, they're basically just regurgitating Aristotle. And of course, don't get me wrong, like they refine it and have some nuggets, but generally it's based on Aristotle's rhetoric. So if you take a look at Aristotle's rhetoric, rhetorical approach, there's three things, right? There's the pathos, there's the appeal to emotion, there's the logos, there's the appeal to logic and reason. And then there's the ethos, which is appeal to credibility or your who you are, your character, right? The three of those in combination form the basis of all stories on the planet. Then you kind of layer in like Joseph Campbell's The Hero's Journey. You, um, you talk about uh, the structure of story where there's a beginning, a middle, and an end. All stories have a beginning, a middle, and an end. They have to. <laughs> That's just the way it works. Stories are about change. So there has to be an emotional valence. Like if there's no emotional valence in a story, it's so boring. Is it really a story? Because stories are about change, right? When I was telling you the story about how I came to do what I did, if I didn't put the fact in that my wife died, uh, it's just, it, you don't know the true 
emotion and meaning behind why, why I do what I do, right? Like it, like it would fall flat. And that's the, that's the emotion and meaning, the tone and the tenor, the set and the setting of how we're doing this. I mean, you know, the, the probably one of the best modern examples of like a great storyteller is, is, is Dr. Cornell West. I don't know if you know who he is, but his cadence, his tenor, his tone, the way he sets things up, he talks about, you know, why race matters or race matters, right? Like he's a, he, he was a professor at Harvard. Now he's, I don't remember where he's prof- professor at, but he's, he's telling facts. Like, okay, these are the facts. But what he does is when he weaves the narrative and the story around it, he charges the emotion because the way I'm going to get through to you is not by telling you fact after fact after fact. I'm going to get through to you by turning your emotion on. That is the only way I'm going to activate your brain to be like, oh, I need to listen to what Jari has to say. Because if I'm just like saying fact after fact after fact after fact, I'm going to lose you. You're not going to care. There's a very famous um, kind of mantra in the nonprofit world. And it goes something like this. Numbers raise eyebrows. Stories raise money. Right? So, oh, a million people, million kids are dying or whatever. Okay, great. Yeah, fine. You know, that's, that's horrible. But if you say, hey, this is, um, this is little Joey. And, and Joey died of a rare blood disease because he didn't have the blah, blah, blah. Like, immediately your emotion just gets charged. You can't help it. It's an automatic response. So if you know that, then the question is, well, okay, now you say, Jari, look, this whole like stories have structure and they're repetitive and you can like follow a framework and a form and blah, 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 blah. Like, what do you really mean by that? Well, like anything, there are rules. There's rules of grammar. I can't really break the rules of grammar, even though it's kind of woo-woo. There's like, there's rules of grammar, right? There's the rules of the universe. There's the rules of human nature. Again, generally speaking, right? I'm not saying everyone's the same, but generally, right? We all love a good story. We do. We love nothing more than to be around a bunch of our friends or like comedy is the best example of this, right? What makes a good joke? When someone laughs, <laughs> that's it. It doesn't matter. Like, but there's a form and a function to comedy as well. So, what am what am I getting at then? Right? Like, so what is it? Like, okay, yeah, you say there's this form and structure and everything. Okay, so where the creativity comes in is generally, again, generally, eighty percent of your job is form and structure. Okay. Here's your framework. Here's your scaffolding. Some people say 70. Some people say 80. I like 80 because that's the Pareto principle, right? The 80-20 rule is generally adhered to, right? That 20%, that's the creativity. So why spend, why waste your time on the 80% that you know is not going to change? There's no reason to do that. Learn that and then spend your time on that 20%, on that magic, on what Peter Thiel calls zero to one, on what, you know, um, a lot of people in the creative space branding and, and call the like 
the genius, right? The genie in the bottle, the muse, right? Like I, I like when I write books, you know, I, I'm what's called a planner. There's a, there's the planners and the prancers or the pantsers, sorry. The planner is the one that writes everything out and plans it, right? That's me. The pantser is just the free to be you and me. I'm just going to write until I figure out my muse. Okay. Which is great. Fine. You know, both have, both can be successful, but for me personally, having an engineering mind, if I've planned out kind of my roadmap and I'm like 60 to 70% of the way there, like, okay, this is the structure of the book. I feel so much better. Now I can go in and create the chapter, the insight. I mean, with the podcast, it's the same way. Like it's a structure. The podcast is structured like every podcast. Yours is the same. In fact, what's really interesting is that your style and my style are actually very, very similar. I was, I was like sitting there going, boy, it sounds like I'm talking to me. (laughs) I'm like, wow. So this is what it sounds like when I talk (laughs) to people, but you know what I mean? Like, you know, you, you, you brought up all these, like, it's a very profound question. What's the, what's the balance? Super important to understand that you can't have one without the other. You have to have the creativity and the structure, right? They both must go back and forth. And even the ones that think that they're like tapping into the muse and, oh no, man, I don't know my process. They have a process. And that's to me the most important thing. I don't necessarily care about the end result. I care about, do I have a good process to get to the end result? Because I know as an entrepreneur and every entrepreneur on the planet knows this, like what I started out with, ain't what I'm going to end up with. I mean, that's almost a universal truth. You're going to zig and zag. You're going to pivot. Something's going to go wrong. But if you've got a good process and you think about this stuff, then you can spend your time, your valuable time, solving the problem's creativity as opposed to reinventing the wheel on all this structure. So, Mm, I think that that is so interesting. The idea that, you know, leave the creativity for that 20% that isn't covered by the structure. And I, I, I can totally see what you're saying around the idea that, you know, with creativity, you need constraints. And I, I, I've come across this idea before, and I think it's absolutely fascinating because it's so, it's so true. You know, you think about you know, innovative startups and especially really disruptive ones, they are born out of constraints, right? You know, a lot of the time that constraint is how can we deliver this experience or this product, you know, at a better cost, you know, more accessible or what have you. Those are, you know, some of the the more popular constraints. And I think that that is a a a, a fascinating idea. And I wanna I wanna ask how have you used this idea of constraints in other aspects of your life, maybe in the startup world or perhaps, you know, again, in your career as an engineer? Yeah, well, engineering is all about constraints. Um, there's something called the laws of physics. <laughs> like I said, you can bend them, you can't break them. So engineering by nature is, is filled with constraints. Like I, I can't just fly a rocket to the moon. I've got constraints. Um, so 
in engineering school, we learn all the equations, the structures, the processes, the mathematics to understand the constraints and then design a, a solution that meets the constraints and or, you know, reinvent something. Um, in, in terms of like how I handle constraints, uh, I, I really like to understand the what we call in engineering world, the solution space in which I need to operate. So, and that's varies depending on like a client, your life, you know, like COVID great example. Okay. We're constrained by COVID. I can't go to the gym. I can't do jujitsu. I can't go to a restaurant. I can't, I can't, I can't, all of these constraints are for some people crippling. Right. So how do I handle the constraint of COVID-19 lockdown. Okay. I can't control that. That's one. that's the first thing. What can I control? Right. A lot of times people think, well, I could control everything in my life. Well, I can't, you can't, you absolutely can't. In fact, in some cases you actually have no free will or control in the short term on your behavior and reaction to situations. And once you realize that it's not to say that everything's deterministic and fatalistic. It just means I'm constrained. And if I want to remove that constraint, I actually got to work at it because we seldom rise to the level of the occasion. We almost always fall to the level of our training and or our patterns because we're pattern matching machines, right? So by definition, all of us are constrained. We just may not know it, right? Like you could be super, um, you know, social and need people to have energy. Like, oh God, I, I just, I hate the fact that we can't go to a concert or whatever. Well, if the constraint is you can't go to a concert, you got to find another way. You have to find a creative way. So what have people done? They get on Zoom like we are, or they do virtual walks or they, you know, put a mask on and yell across the street or something, right? These constraints define our life but constraints don't have to rule our life as long as we understand them and where we're playing. Like, what's the rules of the game? That's why I love sports so much. Sports is the ultimate constraint. There's rules. <laughs> if I want to get invited back to go roll jujitsu with people, I can't punch them in the nuts. <laughs> I can't because that's not the rules. Right. Or I can't bite their ear off or whatever. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's, it's these constraints that make up the game. And in fact, in some cases it's the, the, the border, it's the, it's the pushing the constraints that make the game, so to speak. Um, so, you know, getting back to like the COVID constraints, if you are not uh, comfortable with pivoting and like figuring out a new creative solution to your problem. Let's say it's your business. A great example is I talk to a lot of business entrepreneurs, like a lot of entrepreneurs and some of them, their business has been so <laughs> affected by COVID. Like one of them was, Oh yeah, we did like events. <laughs> I'm like, Oh wow. Like, yeah. 95% of our revenue gone within a day. Okay. So great example of, constrained, like heavily. Now, what do you do? And that's where the creativity comes in. Um, so yeah, I, 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 in, I always try to find what's the solution space. What's the constraints I'm under? What constraints can I change? Uh, 
what constraints do I put on myself? Like, what are my patterns that I'll revert down to? Like, as an example, I, I don't really like talking to people very much. I'm actually what's called a highly functional introvert. I don't, I, it's not fun <laughs> to talk to people for me. I do interviews like yours. I do my podcast for the, well, it's more than one, but for one of the main reasons is I have to practice talking to people because I'm constrained by my upbringing. I'm constrained by how hard it is for me to connect with people. And once I realize that, I'm like, how do I eliminate that constraint? Well, I mean, it's been a year since I've been doing my podcasts, you know, I'm getting better at it. I'm still nervous. <laughs> Even talking to you now, I'm like, oh man, I'm rambling on. What was the question again? <laughs> you know what I mean? And, but, but again, like once we understand what these constraints are and we understand the rules of the game, right. Then that's when creativity comes in. Because again, as, as humans, and, 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 and the fascinating thing is there, there's actually this great sports saying, which is um, it's not if you win or lose, but how you play the game, right? And I think that's lost on a lot of people. It, it's 100% true because you want to get invited back to play the game again, right? You want people to play, want to play with you. You know what I mean? I mean, it sounds silly, but if you're evil and mean and you break the rules and people are going to be like, Oh, that guy's a jerk. <laughs> I don't want to be around him. Right. I'm, I don't know. So I think that's sort of the way I roll nowadays. That's so interesting. I love to hear how you have used these constraints to also challenge yourself and also think, you know, how can I overcome this? And I think it's really interesting how you mentioned you're a high functioning introvert. I I see myself, you know, in a lot of ways, just like that too. You know, for me, talking to people does not come naturally. I actually suffered from quite a long bout of social anxiety, particularly towards my mid and late teens. And it's one of those things that I'm, I'm sure you're aware, you've just kind of got to keep exposing yourself to, to, to get better at. And you know, that kind of brings me to something I wanted to also talk to you about. And that is, you mentioned your, your podcast as one of these ways that you've helped to overcome that, that constraint, as you say. Um, I wanted to ask, what is it that, that drove you, that motivated you to, to actually start this, uh, this podcast, The Entrepreneur Ethos? What's the story there? I got sick of blogging. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, I'm like, oh, this blogging thing's a pain. Um, and so well, that's part of it. The other part of it is I wrote the book, The Entrepreneur Ethos. It's actually based on the book I wrote. It's mm -hmm. how to build a more ethical, inclusive, and resilient world. Mm. And I really, it really struck me being here in Silicon Valley. And again, I mean, also inspired by Jane, where, you know, tall white guys with beards and vests rule the VC world. And as well as there's a lot of, lot of, guys like me, like you can't see me, but I'm a tall white guy with a beard. I don't wear a vest, but I wear a hoodie because that's the way we roll here in San Francisco. Um, there's just a lot of people like me doing entrepreneurship and not a lot of other people of, of different, you know, name the diversity metric. Right. And I realized that that's, that's wrong. Um, and Jane, 
was was very influential in that as well as some of the players that she would work with now that I work with. And most of them are African-American from really poor, impoverished communities that really did not have the opportunities that I had. I mean, like, you know, I've had a lot of great opportunities. I mean, I, I you know, in, in one sense, I've had a tough life, but I haven't had as tough a life as a lot of people. So, you know, it, it, I think in my kind of world, you know, you want to be the change you want to see. And the only way change happens is when the majority, the, 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 the folks that are in quote unquote power realize that the minority has an issue and they need to help solve. That's the only way that the change ever works. I mean, look at, you know, Dr. King, Dr. Martin Luther King and what he was trying to do back in the sixties, right? It was through the demonstration of the outrage and the nonviolent protests as well as him talking to those in power that changed the tide. Now there was a lot of other people for sure, like lots, you know, Rosa Parks and even Malcolm X to a certain degree. I mean, all of these had a huge influence, but like that process was like, he had to convince the majority that this was a good idea. And so what, what came about is I'm sick of blogging (laughs) Uh, also had the impetus to be something that I could practice interviewing, talking to people, socializing in one sense. But also I was, and I still am an advisor to the Blue Wire Network, which is a podcasting network and that I've been with for a while. And my podcast is on the Blue Wire Network. And it's traditionally a sports podcasting network. It's growing out of that, but you know, I wanted to learn. I'm advising this podcasting company. I should like have a podcast, right? And uh, what I've, yeah, for me, it's just been this great experience. And I've over time really evolved to, wow, like really want to teach the next generation of entrepreneurs. Like I need to enable, inspire, educate and inspire the next generation of entrepreneurs, no matter who they are. And I have to bring people on the show that reflect the diversity of the world. And that's a goal because what I've found when I've taught kids in the inner city entrepreneurship, that the most powerful thing I can do is bring people to talk to them that look like them. And this may seem a bit odd to some people that have never experienced that or like, you know, gotten out of their own bubble and like been in a community that, um, you know, that's severely impoverished or doesn't have the opportunity or just like a different attitude. Like you start to realize that I could have been this kid. I mean, through literal accident of birth, I am who I am and they are who they are. And you're like, that's pretty intense. (laughs) You know, as Lady Gaga said, I was born this way and that goes for everyone. Right. So I, I really just, I, I just felt it was my obligation in one sense. And like, I have a gift, right? My gift is I can, you know, distill complex topics into a form that your grandmother can understand, you know? And I didn't know I had this talent. I didn't know I was good at this until Jane died and I started writing books and you know, I've 
you know, like I, it's just this an evolutionary process. And I feel that if, you know, you've battled the dragons and came back with the gold, that you should probably talk about it a little bit. And I feel that the more you share and the more you have discussions and the more people you bring into the fold, the better the world is. And I'm pretty convinced of that. So yeah, the podcast started out with uh, blogging's a pain. <laughs> I'm sick of it to boy, I need to teach the next generation about what being an entrepreneur is all about. So I love that. And I think it's so inspiring as well that you are trying to make entrepreneurship more accessible to people, especially those who come from, who may not have that opportunity. They may not have been exposed to it. They don't know that's an option, especially, you know, I can imagine, you know, without having that exposure, you're probably just thinking, oh, you know, I got to go like school. I got to get like, you know, good education. I go to college and there is no other awareness of, you know, other paths, right? And, and that's not to say that you have to drop out of college to be an entrepreneur, but just knowing that you don't have to be like a teacher or a lawyer or like an accountant or an engineer, like, you know, there's this, there's other things you can do. I love that. And I, you know, just commend you for really taking that on and helping to inspire um, others. I think that's such a noble thing to do. I wanted to ask, having done the podcast for, I think, probably around a year now, if uh, correct me if I'm wrong, I wanted to ask, what are some of the more, what are, what are some of the interesting learnings that you've taken so far or one of your favorite episodes or interviews that you've done? Can you talk about that? <laughs> That's like saying, which one of my kids do I love the most? <laughs> <laughs> but I know everyone wants to know who, what's the best one? Um... Well, you know, it's funny you should mention that because I am approaching 100 episodes or 100 interviews, and I'm in the process of literally going through them all and coming up with some, you know, actionable insights. Because one of the things I've learned is that while I love talking to people and learning things, and, you know, like to me, the conversation is just inspiring. The people that listen to the podcast are like, okay, great, Jari. Now what? Now what do I do? How do I take action on these things? So I'm evolving and learning over time. And a lot of my people that have been listening have um, told me that. So, you know, that kind of feedback has been pretty valuable. So I think some of the best interviews I've done have revolved around the entrepreneur journey. And these nuggets of insights that you just never would have known, you never would have found out if you just said, I'm going to ask you these five questions and then da, da, da. So like what you're doing right now, like you have mastered the art of conversation. You may not know this, but what you're doing right now, you're letting me talk, you're taking it in, you're listening very intently. And then you're picking up on these little things that I say that you never would have known to ask me. And then you're like pulling the thread, right? So this, if, if everyone, anyone wants to know, is the absolute art of conversation. If you can do this, if you can do what Aaron's doing right now, everyone will think you're the best conversationalist in the world, even though you may have not even talked as much, right? I mean, I'm just rambling, but I'm like, gosh, man, this Aaron guy, what a great conversationalist. So, because you're letting me 
you're letting me talk, right? So when I let my guests talk and I do what you're doing right now, what we're doing right now, I get down to the deeper meaning of why they do what they do. And it's those stories that really inspire me. And there's been so many. I mean, I, I think almost every episode that I've done, there's been this sort of magic gold nugget aha where I'm like, wow, I never knew that. Like I was doing an interview the other day for the podcast and, you know, this this entrepreneur, he's running this company for seven years. It's ma- it's massive. They've served over a million customers. Like, you know, he's doing the whole song and dance, right? You know, what all a lot of our, us entrepreneurs do. Um, and then this sticks out of my mind because it just happened a couple of weeks ago. And I'm like, so I, I was doing what you're doing, like listening to what I have to say. And then I picked up on this one thing. He's like, you know, you got to learn a lot of things and being an entrepreneur. And you probably should learn a little bit about everything. And I'm like, oh, that's actually a really good point. I'm going to ask him, what's something you didn't want to learn, right? Like, aha, right? And I had no, I had, who knows what he was going to say, right? So I said, so what's something that you didn't want to know, learn? And he's like, oh, what we're doing right now. And I'm all, well, what do you mean? He's like, I hate public speaking. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm all, really? I go, well, you're really good at it. He's like, oh, I hate it. I just, it just, and aha moment. And then I'm like, well, I hate sales. I hate selling. I'm not really bad at it. I'm really trying hard to learn how to sell myself better and brag. I hate it. I feel like a fraud, like all these things. And so we have this connection. Never would have known that. So what I try to do with each one of these episodes, I want to find the nugget. I really try hard. And part of that is the listening. I mean, you can't see us because we're not going to put the video out, but Aaron and I can see each other. And if you could see me, you could see my hands are flaying and I'm like, oh, so excited. And, and Aaron is being very like, huh, like, like just imagine something like the, the thinker, like, huh, interesting. You're right. And so that's the magic of what we're doing in this conversation. And so all of these, these interviews I try to do, and like, that one's a great example. I found out that he didn't like to public speak. I found out other people, um, they had nervous breakdowns. They almost lost their businesses multiple times, or um, they had a really tough time with a co-founder or, you know, they had to, they had to practice telling themselves they did a good job. They had to remember the good they were doing. And if you were to talk to these people, you know, like, just you and I, if you didn't dig in, like you're digging in, you never would have (laughs) known. So um, that's just been beautiful. And there's so many, like so many examples of that. That's part of the reason why I'm literally doing this whole roundup of those hundred episodes and what I've learned and those actionable insights. And it's those sort of things. Like I'm going to write them all down because I, there's so many, there's so many. And as you get better at this, as, as talking and conversing and doing a podcast, you start to pick up on that stuff. So I'd say uh, the total cop-out PR answer would be every episode's awesome. I love every single one. But the real answer is I love the ones where I find I get surprised. And honestly, more often than not, 
I get surprised and I just am so thankful for that. I think that is that is such a great answer. You know, it is hard to choose between our children, but to be honest, I think everyone still has an answer. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm 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 being like again, like Jane would call this the PR answer. Um, for sure. But I love that, and absolutely, you know. And thank you for your compliments earlier. You, you know, something something that I that I I learned was just the the value of active listening. And I listened to a TED talk recently, and. He was saying, you know, if you want to uncover great stories, just shut up and listen. <laughs> so that's something that I really try to, to take on board because everyone's got a great story. And to be honest, one of the reasons I started this podcast was because I want to hear other people's stories. And I can't do that if I'm the one talking all the time. So, <laughs> um, so thank you for sharing that. And, you know, Jari, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. I know we are coming up to the top of the hour, but before we, we part ways, I wanted to ask, knowing what you know now, after having so many years of experience as an engineer, as an entrepreneur, what advice would you give someone who's in their 20s and who is quite similar to yourself, also an engineer by trade and has entre entrepreneurial tendencies as well? What, what advice would you have? Learn how to tell better stories. Your whole job is communication at the fundamental level. The better storyteller you are, the farther you'll go in life. The better listener, to your point, uh, Aaron, um, the art of listening and telling stories and really being um, not only compassionate, but empathetic to people. And you're right. Like how you do that in a conversation is you shut up and listen. <laughs> and to be honest, I have a hard time with this. I really do. And practice does make perfect. Um, the more you can ask questions, the more you can be engaged in active listening, the more you can be what Chris Voss calls a tactically, uh, empathetic, um, just the better your life will be. And it, it sounds interesting to, to some people, especially like, so if you're younger and you're an engineer, you have, my guess you have this mindset that I just have to work hard and perform. And my worth is wrapped up in my technical prowess. And for the better part of 10, 15 years, that's what I believe too. So you're, you're totally going to feel this. And part of the reason is, is you don't know what you don't know. You got to learn your craft. And frankly, you're going to get promoted because if you're a rock star technical person, what happens is that you rise to the level of your incompetence and those technical skills start to not matter anymore. What matters is your ability to motivate people and motivating people is about telling better stories and engaging with them and really showing them that you care about them. And so if, if you're a younger person, you have my kind of background, or even if you don't like, say, you, I don't say you've got Aaron's background or you've got, I don't know, Nelson Mandela's background, <laughs> whatever. Um, learn how to tell better stories, learn how to listen and learn how to synthesize the world around you so that you can tell clear, concise, and compelling stories because that's what moves the world. There, there's no other thing more powerful than a good story. The best story wins, hands down, no, no, no matter what. doesn't matter how great your product is, doesn't matter how the better story wins. And once you 
see that in action and you start to think about it, then you think more about, well, how would I say that? How would I explain this to my grandmother? How would I listen more so I can understand what that other person needs? And this is especially important in negotiations. I mentioned Chris Voss. He wrote this book called Never Split the Difference. And it is an excellent book on negotiations. And a lot of what he recommends is this active listening, you know, tactical empathy, just beautiful common sense, well, not so common sense in some cases, but you know, you got to learn and practice, right? And I think if we did, if we all did that, I think we'd all be better, better off. I think the world would be better off. And as you know, your career progresses and you you become like my age, and <laughs> you start to have to manage people or influence people, that training, those reps. Uh, in storytelling and active listening and compassion um, will pay off. That is awesome. Thank you so much for that insight, Jari. Well, you know, it's been an absolutely fascinating conversation with you. Thank you so much for taking the time to hop on the show and share, share your story with us. If there are others who are listening who want to learn more about you, more about your stories, how can they do that? Well, you can go over to uh, theentrepreneurethos.com. That's the podcast. I'm also on LinkedIn. It's pretty easy to find me on LinkedIn. And I also, I'm also on Twitter at The Daily MBA. Um, but yeah, I'd love, love it if people are interested in entrepreneurship. Check out the podcast, The Entrepreneur Ethos Podcast. And uh, Aaron, it was, it was an absolute pleasure to talk with you. And I am so thrilled uh, that you're doing this show. I really enjoyed the conversation. Um, it made me feel like like I was a rock star, <laughs> which is hard to do for those of you on the on the yeah, out in La La Land. Um, so keep doing what you're doing. Thank you so much. And yeah, well, everyone, I'll leave those links in the episode show notes. And I hope you have a fantastic rest of your day. Thank you for listening to the show. In Your Element uncovers stories and ideas of people living in their element. If you know someone who has a great story or have a story of your own you'd like to share, then get in touch and join our growing community at inyourelement.fm. I would love to see you back here for next episode. As always, keep being you. Keep crushing life and keep finding your element. I'll see you in the next one.